Open the eyes of our hearts, Lord. I appreciate uh, Tom leading that song because that's how I envision um, what happens when we open the Word of God, that, that we want to see Christ in our reading. And so as we continue our study of the book of 1 Corinthians, uh, I want to begin with a reading from chapter 4. If you have your Bible, you might follow along here and hear the word of the Lord. This is how one should regard us, as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required of stewards that they be found faithful. But with me, it's a very small thing that I should be judged by you or by any human court. In fact, I do not even judge myself, for I am not aware of anything against myself, but I am not thereby acquitted. It is the Lord who judges me. Therefore, do not pronounce judgment before the time, before the Lord comes, who will bring to light the things now hidden in darkness and will disclose the purposes of the heart. Then each one will receive his his commendation from God. I have applied all these things to myself and Apollos for your benefit, brothers, that you may learn by us not to go beyond what is written, that none of you may be puffed up in favor of one against another. For who sees anything different in you? What you have that you did not receive. If then you receive it, why do you boast as if you did not receive it? Already you have all you want. Already you have become rich. Without us you have become kings and would that you did reign so that we might share the rule with you. For I think that God has exhibited us apostles as last of all, like men sentenced to death, because we have become a spectacle to the world, to angels and to men. We are fools for Christ's sake, but you are wise in Christ. We are weak, but you are strong. You are held in honor, but we in disrepute. To the present hour we hunger and thirst. We are poorly dressed and buffeted and homeless, and we labor working with our own hands. When reviled, we bless. When persecuted, we endure. When slandered, we entreat. We have become and are still like the scum of the world, the refuse of all things. I do not write these things to make you ashamed, but to admonish you as my beloved children. For though you have countless guides in Christ, You do not have many fathers. For I became your father in Christ Jesus through the gospel. And I urge you then, be imitators of me. That is why I sent you Timothy, my beloved and faithful child in the Lord, to remind you of my ways in Christ as I teach them everywhere and in every church. The word of the Lord. You know, it's fascinating how language evolves. And so you'll notice that some words change meaning over time and that some words become obsolete because we just quit using them. And then there are new words that get introduced into our language. And these are words that um, we, we never really used before, but because of something that has happened culturally, they become commonplace. 
One such word is influencer. Have y'all heard this word? Most of you probably have. Um, you'll find several different definitions online, but, but here's one that I pulled from, from online. It says, the influencer is a person or group that has the ability to influence the behavior of opinions of others. And so this word has been introduced into our vocabulary because of social media. And influencers are these people who have large followings online and they sway people one way or another. Uh, This uh, was a big issue several years ago. It, it, It was in the news when a few people, they tried to create this new music festival in the Bahamas. And they really had no idea what they were doing. But what they did have is they had influencers. And so they paid some of these influencers, some celebrities, to talk about this festival and post about the festival and all this stuff going on online. And people bought tickets and they spent a lot of money to get to this private island down the Bahamas. And it was a disaster. And and this is how the festival is described on Wikipedia. Instead of the luxury villas and gourmet meals for which festival attendees paid hundreds of dollars, they received prepackaged sandwiches and FEMA tents as their accommodation. And at the heart of this disaster were social media influencers who convinced a large number of people that this was a good idea. And so we now live in a world where Uh, The word influencer is a part of our vocabulary. And and it's because there are people on social media with these large followings who are swaying people what to do and what to buy. This is new, but how new is it? Solomon once said, what has been is what will be, and what has been done is what will be done. And there is nothing new under the sun. Is there a thing of which it is said, see, this is new. It has already been in the ages before us. And I would suggest that Solomon is correct. That influencer is a new word. And it's become part of our language now. But the idea is not new at all. There were influencers in Paul's day. There were influencers... In Corinth. And 1 Corinthians chapter 4 is a chapter about influencers and who it is that we should follow. Now, one of the problems that, that we've noticed in these early chapters of 1 Corinthians is that there is division in the church. And it, this is an issue that's been addressed more than once, and it's going to continue to be addressed throughout the letter. And so why is this church divided? Well, one of the main reasons is that they're following different people. They live in a world that is full of ideas and opinions. They they, they live in a world where speakers and philosophers gain a following. You could call these individuals influencers. And they are presenting ideas And they are swaying people to follow them. And so the church in Corinth is divided because they're going in different directions. They're embracing different philosophies and different ways of living. And they're being influenced by these various leaders. 
And so Paul begins by telling these Christians and us what kind of person he is. And so that's where he starts chapter 4. This is how one should regard us as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required of stewards that they should be found faithful. And what he's saying is that if you want to be influenced by someone, then look to him, look to Paul, because he's not in it for himself. He's not promoting his own agenda. He's not trying to become famous. He's not looking to become wealthy. What he is, is a servant of Christ, and that alone. You know, there's more than one word for servant in ancient Greek. In fact, if you go back to chapter 3 and you look at verse 5 there, Paul uses a different word to describe himself as a servant in chapter 3 than he does here. The word that he uses right here in chapter 4 is basically the lowest of the low. And so he's not claiming any status for himself. He is nothing more than a servant of Christ, and that's it. And so when you follow Paul, you get Christ. He's not an influencer for himself. He is an influencer for Christ. It says here that he's also a steward of the mysteries of God. And so the message that he wants people to hear and to embrace is about God and the things of God. He's not preaching on how to get rich or how to become famous. He's not telling people how to live their best life now. He has been entrusted to preach Christ and him crucified, and that's exactly what he intends to do. In fact, he elaborates on this when you get to verse 6. He says, I have applied all these things to myself and Apollos for your benefit, brothers, that you may learn by us not to go beyond what is written, that none of you may be puffed up in favor of one against another. So what you're going to get from Paul is the word of God and nothing more. He's not going to go beyond what is written. And his goal for the Corinthians is for them to be followers of Jesus and his word. And there's no other angle, there's no other agenda. We're not used to this. We always think there's got to be a catch. We always think, you know, there's strings attached somewhere. I just don't know where it is. Let me try to figure it out. And so when somebody does something nice for us or, or something is free, it's difficult for us to accept it because we're always thinking in the back of our mind, what does this person want from me? Well, Paul wants nothing except to influence people to follow Jesus. And that's it. In verse 2, Paul says that it is required of stewards that they may be found faithful. Other versions say it is required of stewards that they be found trustworthy. And I would suggest that trustworthy is a more appropriate word for our context because you see we live in a time when people struggle to trust anything and they're asking what can I trust who can I trust 
And, and they're also looking for any reason not to trust an institution, not to trust a group, not to trust an individual. And so we have to be aware of this as we present the gospel in this polarized world. And, and Paul is dealing with some similar circumstances. And he presents a model for us to follow in our own time. If we want to be successful in sharing the gospel, then our agenda has to be Jesus and nothing else. One of the reasons that young people have left the Christian faith is because they believe it's too political. And so there are churches on the right and there are churches on the left that are more concerned about turning out votes than creating disciples of Jesus. And young people look at this and they see hypocrisy. Some churches are in decline because they're more concerned with protecting the brand than they are doing what is right. And so there are priests and there are pastors who have abused and molested their own congregants, and there are people who care more about protecting the church than for standing up for victims. And again, people look at this and they see hypocrisy and they're disgusted, and rightly so. Some churches in America preach a health and wealth gospel, and so they ask people who are just scraping to get by to give to their church while their celebrity pastor lives in a mansion and drives a Mercedes. And they have the biggest church in town, but they're not going to open their doors for the needy and the homeless. And that looks a lot like hypocrisy. Our agenda needs to be Jesus and nothing else. We don't want you to follow Jesus because we have a political agenda. Or because we think our church is the best. Or because we want your money. We want you to follow Jesus because it's what everyone should do. Because Jesus alone offers salvation. And following Jesus is the best way to live. And there should be no other agenda except Jesus. And you see, when we have no other agendas, then we become trustworthy. Now, people may not agree with everything that we say, but they will know and understand that we believe it and that we can be trusted. And and the heart of this chapter is found in in verses 14 through 16, where, where Paul really gets to his point, and he says, I do not write these things to make you ashamed, but to admonish you as my beloved children. For though you have countless guides in Christ." You do not have many fathers. For I became your father in Christ Jesus through the gospel. I urge you then, be imitators of me. And then later on in chapter 11, that famous verse that many of us know, he'll say again, be imitators of me as I am of Christ. And so Paul wants us to be influenced by one person, and that is Jesus. And we see Paul's passion and his concern for these Christians in these verses. He wants them to have a father. And he wants to become that father that they need. Why? Because he wants them to be like Jesus. 
You know, in chapter 3, he told them that they need to grow up. Well, how does one grow up? Well, you grow up by becoming like Jesus. In chapter 2, in verse 2, he stated, For I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. For Paul, it's all about Jesus. And how do we learn about Jesus and become like Jesus? Well, it's through relationships and it's through mentoring others. You know, what is written in this chapter is crucial. It's crucial for the future of the church. It's crucial for our lives. It's crucial for our neighbors and others who may be interested in Christ. It's crucial for our kids and our grandkids. What is the message? What does God want us to take away from this letter, this chapter that was written so long ago? First of all, we need to become like Jesus. The goal of Christianity is for us to be transformed into the image of Jesus. None of us are perfect, and everyone can change. You know, the words, that's just who they are, or that's just who I am. That's really unbiblical, because it suggests that we cannot change, but all of us can change. That's what Scripture says. That's what it means to follow Jesus. That's why we have the Holy Spirit within us. But we have to want to change. We have to want to be like Jesus. We have to try to better our lives and follow in the footsteps of Christ. None of us have arrived. None of us are perfect. But every one of us can become better. And we can grow to become more Christ-like. And what a blessing that is. This is good news that I don't have to stay the way that I am. I don't have to be a grouch. I don't have to be unkind. or I I don't have to hate. I don't have to be rude. Because all those behaviors and and ones like them, what they're going to do is they're going to imprison me. And I can be something different. I can be like Jesus. How? How? We do it by reading Scripture, by being in the Word. We do it by helping and supporting one another. That's why we have church and we don't do Christianity on our own. We do it through spiritual disciplines and other Christian practices. We do it one step at a time. Most importantly, we do it with the help of God and the Holy Spirit. And so whenever we decide to become like Jesus, we're not alone. God is at work within us. And so determine to be kinder. Practice being merciful to others. Make your mind up that, that you're going to encourage the people around you and speak life into them and build them up. And you're not going to tear them down. And forgive people when you're wrong. It's not easy, but it's at the heart of the Christian faith. Practice not having to have the last word. That's hard too, Um, but we can do it. Practice seeing good in others and complimenting them. And don't become overwhelmed by this. Choose one thing that you can do this next week to be more like Jesus And then go and do it. And if you fail, that's okay. You just try again the next day. There's no judgment. 
Make sure, though, that you're on the path to becoming more like Christ. So this is the first message we need to get from this text, that we need to become like Jesus. The second is this. We all need to become mentors, and we need to mentor others to become like Jesus. This is what Paul is describing in verses 15 and 16, where he says, For though you have countless guides in Christ, you do not have many fathers. For I became your father in Christ Jesus through the gospel, and I urge you then to be imitators of me. None of us are perfect, but we should reach a point in our faith where we have grown enough that we're able to help someone else. And we may help someone become a Christian. We may help a a new Christian grow in their faith. Whatever it is, those of us who are mature need to seek out someone that we can come alongside and that we can help and we can mentor. And don't say that, well, I just don't have anyone. We have an abundance of people here who need to be mentored. If you don't believe me, show up on Wednesday because there are kids running all over this place. And it's chaos, but it's wonderful chaos. And each of those kids needs a mature Christian in their lives to encourage them and help them grow into the person that they ought to become. And and you, anybody here this morning, could be the difference in whether or not one of those kids remains faithful later on in life. There are young parents who are trying their best to raise their kids and hold down a job, and they would love for someone to just share some wisdom with them because they have lots of questions about life. And it doesn't matter whether you've done life well or not. I guarantee you, you've learned some lessons along the way. And you can just sit down with them and you can, you can help them. We have people who are new Christians And they probably need not just one, they probably need at least two or three mature Christians in their life to guide them in the ways that they ought to go. And so invest in someone. And do it today. Invite someone to lunch this week. Talk about life. Talk about what's going on. Talk about Jesus and why it is that you follow him. It's not rocket science. And the problem is too many of us procrastinate. We, we, we put it off. We think, well, you know, someone else is going to do it. Um, is it easy? No. Not always. You know, when you sit down with someone and they begin to ask you questions, there's probably going to be a lot of times you just say, I, I don't know. I don't have the answer to that. And that's okay. None of us have it figured out. But this is what God wants us to do. We're to grow up and become more like Jesus, and then we're to help others do the same. This is our mission. This is what we're supposed to do, and all of us should either be continuing to grow and and aiming to reach a point of maturity, or we've reached a point of maturity, and we're we're still continuing to grow, but we're able now to help someone else. And we can invest in someone and we can encourage someone and we can share our wisdom with someone because people need mentors and people are looking for mentors 
and we can step up and show them how to be a mature Christian. Influencer is not such a bad word. We are all being influenced by someone, whether we acknowledge it or not. And what we need to make sure is that no one is influencing us more than Jesus. He needs to be the number one influencer in our lives. We also need to recognize that that we're influencing people for good or for bad. We're, We're influencing our kids and our grandkids. We're influencing people who are younger than us, people who look up to us, and we don't even know it. We we don't even know this is happening, but it's going on. We're influencing friends and neighbors. We're influencing people by what we post on social media. And what a great opportunity if we recognize it and we take advantage of it. Because you see, we can be an influencer for Christ, just as Paul was. We can say, follow me as I follow Christ. And so do you want to be an influencer? Scripture says you can and you should. Be a person who is trustworthy and be a person who reflects the character of Jesus. In whatever way that Jesus has influenced you, influence others. This is our mission, and every one of us can do it. Let's pray. Father God, we come before you this morning, and we thank you for influencing our lives. We thank you for pursuing us and not letting us be. We thank you that Probably everyone here this morning has had someone in their life that influenced them for the good, that believed in you, and that spoke life into their lives. And we're thankful for these people, and we hope and pray that we can become like these individuals, that we can become like Paul, and that we can see others around us who we can help and we can encourage. And we can invite them to follow us as we follow Jesus. We're so grateful for your grace and your mercy because you know and understand that none of us do this perfectly. And that we receive forgiveness through you. And I hope that we would convey this to others as well, that they would not see us as a perfect example, but that they would see that we are just trying our best to follow Jesus. And that's what we want from them as well. And we pray this in his name. Amen.